Haley, and Kim. And today, we come to you from Highway 401 westbound. <laughs> westbound to the conference. CMT conference in Niagara. And uh, if nothing else, we're embracing the stereotype that women can multitask. <laughs> But also that therapists can be adaptable and uh, use the circumstances that they have to work with to the best of their ability to meet the goals necessary. (laughs) (laughs) And in this case, recording another episode for you to listen to and enjoy. And we figured we have some of the best conversations anyway, just talking to one another in the car. just kind of like letting letting the conversation flow and then partway through we're like ah we should have been recording so we thought why not why not why not just take you on a little road trip with us brought to you live from well live when you're listening to it but live for us from tuck the tucson (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like hearing all of the sounds of cars going by and just the breeze that might come come every now and then we do have the AC pumping, which is really nice. Yeah, uh, that we have a bit warmer weather that we can do that right now. But there will be lots of different sounds like this. Like I don't this. know if you care. <laughs> it sounds so like one of the things I'm looking forward to about the conference is the singing field experience that we're going to get to do with Nicola. Yes, and um, we had her on the podcast last season talking about the singing field and how she was vocalizing in different parts of her environment. So outdoors and different building spaces um, and really like tuning into the sounds around you and being able to use that in, in musicking together with, you know, yourself and the environment, but also with other people. And so I think that's something that we've been more aware of too. And that transfers over to kind of how this episode will probably turn out after editing. We'll try and cut out some of the sounds. <laughs> We're likely going to be some that, that remain and add to the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i also really excited for that. And just get, especially after having talked about it with Nicola and known her for a while. Just like, it's definitely been something that continues to impact me of trying to be connected to my environments and I, I was I was running a group a few weeks ago where we were doing a grounding exercise and essentially I was just leading them through some like mindfulness um, work and, and paired with, with my guitar and then I, I cut it into silence and had them really tune in to just the sounds of the room and for those individuals and for I think a lot of people they were all really taken aback by what they noticed and like just the subtlest sounds that they then incorporated into when we were making some music afterwards, like the sound of the ticking clock, the very, very faint sound of someone, um, like a kid yelling in, in, the, in the neighborhood in, in the distance, or little things that they hadn't picked up in the environment before, or we were tuning into our, our visual pieces for a bit, and there's this um, like saying or mantra or whatever it is written on a chalkboard in front of them that's been there for so long and someone at the end was like 
years. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> You're just so important, uh, attuned to your, your space and things around you. Totally. And then when you can, in, like, incorporate that into music making and what it is that you're, like, having that exchange and interaction. And I, I wonder if that awareness is heightened during the music therapy experience because I often wonder if everybody has the capability to be super self-aware, but we don't have to exercise that muscle until maybe it's brought to our attention. Yeah, that's an interesting point. It's kind of like any other skill you have, right? If we're not using it or we're not exploring it, we might not know that it exists. We might not know how to exercise it. Yeah. I mean, even just now driving on the highway, I'm probably less... I'm probably focusing less on my surroundings than you are in the driver's seat because your role right now is to be that super aware person. And um, though I can be here for support and (laughs) point out things that I see from my perspective, um, you know, I'm just a supporting role. I think that exists within the therapy space as well. We, as therapists, have this, like, really great role as as the person that's holding space, holding, you know, uh, being able to provide the music and being able to offer certain interventions that will meet specific goals. And, you know, you know we are leading, essentially. In that space, we are the facilitators. But then we have people within therapy groups that are supports and and they can look so different depending on what kind of space you're working in or if you work in a facility or a private session community or in a home like it it really depends but we see supports and allies for music therapy all over the place and we come in contact with them all the time and Sometimes there's a bit of advocacy that has to go into how to be a music therapy ally or how to um, best support somebody during a music therapy group. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, for someone who's never experienced music therapy as a staff or as a uh, loved one, parent, daughter, whatever, of someone who's engaging in music therapy. If you yourself have never seen a music therapy session, it can be a barrier to know, A, what it's quote-unquote supposed to look like, Mm -hmm. but also if you are involved in any capacity, what is your role? Or even if you're not, like, especially if we have in-home sessions, either, like, in someone's bedroom or in a long-term care facility where there's so much going on um, in the environment, like, knowing what you are and are not supposed to do to support the person who's receiving services isn't always 100% clear. It's clear to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes we have to remind ourselves that um, even in advocacy, just talking about what music therapy is, I think that step one is like, okay, we tell people that we're music therapists and this is what we do. And we have a whole episode about that, explaining music therapy. But then the next step is what does it look like? in practice and when it's happening how do I participate 
<laughs> so I guess from two perspectives, one, the, the perspective of the participant, how do I show up as a participant, but also sometimes there are individuals who are there to support, whether it's staff or family members, or, um, you know, if you're out of school, maybe it's a teacher. Um, so then they have to figure out, you know, I'm not the person that's receiving therapy, I'm there to support, but how do I do that within this space? Yeah. Yeah, and so from the music therapy participant lens, I mean, I think it's always a a learning curve. If you've never gone to any form of therapy before, you're you're really figuring out, okay, what is my role? Um, But then specifically in music therapy, you're like, how do I do this? This person's making, trying to make music with me, and I'm just going to focus on the technical part of things. or fall into that I'm not a musician mentality in a lot of cases. Um, And sometimes it takes a lot of, like, encouragement to get to the place of actually being vulnerable enough to to engage in music if you feel like you're not that great at it. Mm. So getting over that hurdle, I think, within that person's mind comes, um, like, a lot of encouragement from the therapist (laughs) before we get to that point in some instances. And then there are other people who are, like, really gung-ho yeah. and just, like, you know, they were musicians maybe in the past or had, like, lots of experiences with music and just, or just lovers of music in general and can't help but to, like, yeah. burst out to song or dance. Yes. <laughs> haven't been, uh, haven't necessarily had that quality piece imposed on them. Yeah. Of, like, making, creating for the, the love and expression. Creating yeah. And part of that might come from the diagnosis. So, like, the, a certain diagnosis might take down some of those inhibitors to, like, being able to assess whether you're doing a good job at it or not, and just being able to live in the moment and enjoy the experience for what it is, which can be a really great element to to our job and uh, why people bring us in because it's something that that person will connect with at that point in their life but it can be difficult to get over that hurdle for for some of us so knowing first of all that you don't have to have any musical experience in order to benefit from music therapy and really making the person who is the participant feel valued and heard and empowered to do whatever they are capable of doing first yeah yeah and I think sometimes there's a little bit of like an education piece at the outside of or outside of therapy for exactly what you just said I mean even in our um advocating for the field that piece of you do not need to be a musician you do not need to have ever picked up an instrument or sang in order to benefit but then in the first little bit creating that space where putting that into, like, we're walking the talk, mm-hmm. I guess, and giving tangible direction at some times to help invite them into the space to develop the tools of, okay, you're asking me to musically express, but I'm blocked because I don't feel like I've ever done this before. So yeah. sometimes there's, like, a little bit of a learning piece where we're introducing to instruments or introducing to different concepts or styles of music making or ways that we can find a window into that form of expression and then 
yeah, meeting that person where they're at, evolving with them, growing with them, and um, then setting out, okay, what is it that you actually want to get out of this now that we've gone past that initial um, hesitation of, I know I want therapy or I know I need support, but how? <laughs> what does it look like? Yeah. Yeah. And, and in this medium, what does it look like? Because, and I think you've talked about this before in, in, in other episodes, but because music is such an integral part of most people's, you know, everyday lives, they come in contact with music through the radio or, you know, through community experiences. And there are ways that people use music therapeutically within their own self-care routines and regimens and just, you know, for peace of mind to, to ease the day so to say. <laughs> but there's something different when you are met with a professional who comes with this title of certified music therapist. It almost seems like, okay, what voodoo is this person <laughs> going to come with me? <laughs> like, I, like, they have this understanding, I think, that music is therapeutic and that it has therapeutic value and quality. But then the piece of, okay, how do, how do we make this clinical? It's, 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 that's the learning piece that necessarily participants don't really need to worry about. That's our job. And I think we do have the responsibility to let them know what therapy will look like. We have the responsibility to go through the (laughs) informed consent processes so that they know what to expect, what the benefits of music therapy are, what the risks of music therapy are that we make sure that they are consenting to receive music therapy services um, and that they are able to ask questions if they have any about what it will look like. I definitely agree with that. I think there's this balance of, yeah, our ethical duty to make sure that people that are coming to therapy understand our rules, understand those expectations on both ends, understand their rights and and feel empowered within that too and then also that it's our responsibility to as we continue to say just meet them where they're at so it's not the participants job to then learn everything that we teach them and learn every single instrument or learn every whatever piece it's it's to show up and for us to support them and what that looks like and and know okay when is it that you need a little bit more information when is it that we just need to listen. What is it that? I think that's one of the things that's the most challenging about music therapy is that it is so variable because it's so vast. Like the within the people that we work with, within the interventions that we use, within the settings that we work in, it is so vast and and so rooted in. At the end of the day, we are therapists who use that music as that space of expression and therapy as that tool therapy and that can look so many different ways so many different ways I feel like the therapy piece is an indicator that more is happening but on both ends from the person who is going to be supporting the therapy I feel like that word can sometimes it, it can be understood differently 
yeah. or not understood at all. <laughs> you mean support? Like, yeah. What if, yeah. What does it mean to actually support someone? Or even just, like, the word therapy. therapy. Like, therapy, sometimes when somebody is supporting a therapy session, I feel like because of what it looks like and because of the tools that we're using and because it can look different depending on the people that we work with and the different kinds of diagnosis that we see, oftentimes it can be confused for just an entertainment opportunity or a music session. Yeah, I've I've encountered a lot where the mentality is you're showing up for therapy and you need to be engaged the whole time. Sorry, like as a supportive person's um, intentions they're putting on the the participant. So um, make sure you keep playing. Kim's here playing. Make sure you're shaking that shaker. And and like very well intended. And sometimes that is the goal. But yeah, where that's the default and, and because there's not always a, a direct understanding of how to support and what that support looks like, um, that communication piece or that understanding between what they're doing and what we're doing is really crucial to actually support the participant and not take away. Yeah. That's a, like the understanding piece I think is important. Um, and, you know, it, it'll look different depending again on, on where it is or what the situation allows but everybody understanding what their role is and how they can best support during a music therapy session I think it starts by just understanding what the goals are of that space like what are what is the music therapist trying to achieve within that space understanding that yes (laughs) first of all Second of all, then how do I best support my whoever I'm paired up with, whoever I'm trying to help support to show up and be the best, the best, well, I don't want to say best yeah. participant, but like how do I just add to that person's experience and, and be able to get the most value out of it within that time? Definitely, yeah. How can we? support them in being able to engage in the way that they're needing to and able to in this moment and in this space. Yeah, and what I think is that sometimes we do this <laughs> as humans, but like especially during those those kind in those kinds of settings, people are really helpful and they have that super, you know, innate, you know, just wanting to be helpful in any way that they can. When sometimes being the best supporter just means to sit back and let that person be. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. We have this, like, this need to be, to fulfill, like, this this nagging um, voice inside of us. Like, help. How can I make this easier yes. for them? How can I make this, um, yeah, easier for the person, which easy isn't always the goal. Um, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes that interrupts empowerment for that individual or sometimes that interrupts just the flow of, of a session. Like, for example, um, you and I have talked about this a lot, but if someone is trying to share verbally in a group or respond to a question or give an opinion, and perhaps it's someone who needs a little bit more time to process speech or to, to allow that um, to come out, sometimes what I've seen in particularly in my group sessions when there are, um, you know, a, 
a loved one or a staff there with them because we know that person so well or they know that person so well they probably know where the response is going where the thought is going and so sometimes we'll see you know the fill in to help continue with the flow of the session yeah. to not take away from um from the rest of the flow of the, the group which isn't always like that's not really a concern of mine yeah like i think we we especially because we maybe get caught up on that sense of entertainment if you were to go see a concert and and someone and the musician stopped and said and took a couple of minutes with one particular audience member i mean even in that context you'd be like oh that's cool but you'd be like wait where'd the music go yeah because sometimes (laughs) in in like the you know in the interactions normal social interaction, quote-unquote normal social interactions, you wouldn't take, like, long pauses in between, you know, opportunities to respond to somebody. And uh, so it can be uncomfortable, uh, especially for people that are supporting when they know or they think they know what somebody is going to say. Um, But... Music therapists generally, I can't speak for all music therapists, but most of the ones that I've come in contact with have absolutely no problem with that discomfort and like allowing the silence to be while that person is able to process what they need to process and giving them the space to be able to use their voice and communicate what it is that they need to communicate. And if they need help to get there, sometimes, you know, it does happen when they may take too long to answer, maybe forget their train of thought, but who doesn't? (laughs) Who doesn't? Like, you know, I do that all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, the silence or the space that the music therapist is giving in that context is very intentional. Um, And so I think, I mean, a part of it comes down to, to the working relationship that you get when you are connecting with a music therapist and I've been fortunate to have like, rec therapists or other, or even family members who are recurring coming to session, mm-hmm. and and you get to build that understanding of okay, this is a space where I'm giving giving space to this person. If we're on the threshold of, of taking too long, and where I'm not quite understanding what they're getting at, yeah, I might look to you to to help support because you know this person better yeah. than I do in this context. Um, yeah, yeah, I wonder. Is there any, and I'm, it's very circumstantial. (laughs) We'll say that as a kind of disclaimer at the start here, but (laughs) what's an example of something that you might say to a family member in a session who is, let's say, constantly talking over the person they came to session with? Yeah, very circumstantial, very depending on the relationship that I have with that person. Um, But probably something that I've said before is just kind of reiterating, like, that's okay, we have time, I'm in no rush. I would love 
speedy, speedy um, responses to everything and offering different ways to make those choices or to show those those responses um, sometimes helps to ease the mind of the supporter or, or invite them into the musical dialogue.
it's really beneficial for everybody and just adds value, like we were saying earlier, adds value to the experience, enriches the experience. Because, you know, often I find that support people also benefit from the therapy session. And they, like, come up to me after and they're like, oh, my goodness, I know this was for my mom. (laughs) Or, oh, my goodness, I know this was for my son. But I just found so much value in that. And, And sometimes it's from a place of maybe this is the first time they've actually been able to sit and have a little bit of a respite where they haven't had to be on it 100% for that full, you know, 45 minutes or that full hour or that full, you know, session time. So, like, even being able to support that person in whatever time period it is that we're giving them a little bit of just time to enjoy an activity with their loved one. Time to enjoy just being in the moment. Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, reflection points too, right? Depending on the scope of the session, what someone is working on can totally apply to the, the participants, the supporters sitting in and little tidbits and takeaways or impacts of music um, or doing mindfulness or something like that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we should probably wrap the episode up so we can focus on driving. <laughs> yeah, we're coming into that. Because <laughs> it's a little more busy now. But I feel like if we had to kind of sum up how to be a music therapy participant and I'd be supporter, what are the big top tips? I don't know. I don't want to put a limit on how many you have. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so... Big, big takeaways, I suppose, for being a music therapy participant. I guess one is make sure you know what you're getting into. Make sure that your therapist provides you with some of that information and that you're able to, to digest it. So I guess question, question things and um, give yourself the space to actually understand that. Two, remember that showing up exactly as you are is exactly okay and exactly necessary, um, regardless of whether that's, you know, in relation to musical skills that you have or in relation to whatever it is you're bringing with you to therapy to process or to develop. Show up authentically and know that your therapist is there to help you in that moment. Yeah, and then I guess, I mean, this is my this is my tip for anyone who goes to any form of therapy ever. Be willing to put in the work. That's going to look different. That's going to look different for why you're coming or where you're at in your stage because sometimes it takes us a little while to, to build that relationship and to feel comfortable. But knowing that you are supported by the therapist that you're going to work with this individual to set your goals, to set your intentions, um, be willing to show up and, and feel both, I guess, in that space. I'm lazy or something there. <laughs> yeah. Stop tips. Stop tips. <laughs> um, I guess for somebody who's taking on a supportive role in therapy, I think 
like you said, um, maybe understanding that easy isn't always the goal and comfy isn't always the goal um, would be a great step <laughs> in the right direction. I think having that basic understanding of this is a therapy session first yeah, and understanding what that entails. So whether that means having a conversation with the therapist about their goals for that space so that everybody can be on the same page would be a wonderful first step. Another thing I would say is to really let the person that you're supporting give them the space to be an active participant in whatever way that shows up for them. So I say that because there can be more passive, naturally passive individuals, and that's okay. Um, we can encourage them to be a little bit more of an active participant, but sometimes it's not always necessary if they are showing up in the best way that they can. For whatever goal it is, just allowing them the space to be able to offer what what they what they want, um, because we're not always wanting to be those outgoing people who are just constantly shaking a shaker. And if you know if they're being forced to do something that they are really not feeling like doing, that can sometimes um, stray away from the purpose or intention of why they're coming to, to therapy and options, um, giving somebody options and, and, and being able to indicate their preferences is something that we strongly value within the music therapy space, um, have, giving somebody the autonomy to be able to decide how they want to interact in that space and letting the music therapist be the guide if necessary. And then I suppose also just knowing that space in general is okay being comfortable with the discomfort of abnormal social interaction (laughs) and knowing that's part of the experience and it's very intentional and that you don't have to feel embarrassed on behalf of the people that you're supporting because they're not they're not acting quote unquote normal. You know, the therapy space welcomes people of all abilities and so that abnormality is so celebrated within that space. And so you can find comfort in knowing that the judgment of quality of participation or quality of ability is not being put on them in the same way it would be outside of that space. Yeah. I really like that addition. I think that's important also. I think that's a tip for the participants as well too, knowing how you're showing up and knowing that those, yeah, those constructs and those societal don't necessarily apply the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a space where the way that you show up, like you said, the way that you show up is more than enough. The way that you show up and choose to 
develop within therapy, if there's development or if there's just, you know, quality of life that we're maintaining, the way that you are able to show up, we can work with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can work with that. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Able Voice Podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Synergy Music Therapy. You can also find links to our most recent and top-rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.